Good morning, everybody. Glad that you are here. Everybody feeling a little bit more rested? Like, who did not take advantage of the extra hour? Oh, shame on you. You only get this once a year. Like, I usually try to take double advantage and tell my kids, no, like, we turned them back a couple hours ago, so go to bed and try to get as much out of that as I possibly can. Well, as you can tell, this past Sunday, we were, with the help of Hurricane Sandy, were able to baptize seven people in the Atlantic Ocean. So it was a fantastic day, and the waves were rather strong that day. Several people were baptized like three or four times in one setting, and we had to tell them, like, no, that's not your official baptism. Hold on. Just like, wait for one more wave to crash over you. Then, now we got your official baptism. But it was a great day and uh, exciting to announce that we only lost two people in the ocean. (laughs) But they're with Jesus, so it's all okay. (laughs) Congratulations to you if you were baptized. And our prayers are with you on your journey with the creator of the universe. He is available to you. He is a resource. And we want to be a resource to you as well as you walk that journey. So we're proud of you. And uh, we want to help walk that road with you. Now, if you're new to Epic, my name is Trent, and I'm one of the pastors here. And I'm going to be guiding us through our message today. It's going to be a standalone message that I just, you got to be honest with you up front. Some of you are going to like be okay with it, and others of you are just going to tolerate today's message, and I'll tell you why in just a minute. Uh, this probably won't be one of the messages that's downloaded a whole that often. But if this wasn't on your calendar, if you hadn't gotten thousands of political mailers, if you hadn't noticed the 10,000 political commercials that were on TV, or you hadn't watched any of the political debates, I would say, like, what rock were you under? We have something coming up on Tuesday. What is it? We have an election coming this Tuesday. So today we're going to do an election message, and you know what they say. They say, don't bring up politics and don't bring up religion. So I thought we'd just bring up both today and make everybody feel okay and comfortable and warm and fuzzy. So as we begin this message, uh, I'm going to ask all of us to pray together and pray for several different things. One, obviously, we're praying for for the, the election that's coming up. Also, praying for the victims of Hurricane Sandy. Uh, many people devastated by this hurricane, and uh, it's something that we kind of are a little bit more familiar with down here. We're used to seeing, you know, Florida landscapes that are blown away, um, but up north, there's some folks really hurting. So let's pray together for them. So God, Lord, what an opportunity it is for us to gather and pray, to gather as a church family, to be reminded that you're God and that we're not. Lord, we have an election coming up in the very near future, and I pray that your will would be done. Lord, I pray that you would guide us through the message today and that we would really hear from you. Lord, I also pray for those that were baptized this past Sunday. Lord, this new journey that they're on with you, I pray that they would grow deep in their roots and grow strong in this new relationship with you. I pray that they would tap into all the resources that you make available to them. And Lord, our minds this morning turn to the victims of Hurricane Sandy. Many people have been devastated. Thousands and thousands of people. Much damage has happened. 
And Lord, I pray that people's eyes would be drawn up to you because scripture teaches that you're the God that brings beauty from ashes. So you make things beautiful out of complete mess. So God, you specialize in doing that. And I pray that people would come to know you passionately because of Hurricane Sandy. So God, again, guide us through this morning, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, as we begin this morning, let me just ask, how many of you out here love politics? If you would raise your hand. I mean, it's your thing. You don't have to be ashamed. Nobody's going to throw anything at you. All right, so you just love politics. You're excited. You're jazzed. I mean, you just love when the debates are on because you're probably arguing with your TV, right? You know, I mean, they got it wrong, and here's what they really need to know. Maybe there are people around you that are a little bit nervous, whether at home or at the office, a little bit nervous to bring up this subject because they know There's a glimmer that's going to catch in your eye. You're going to get your soapbox out. You may stand on it, start foaming at the mouth because you have an opinion and the world needs to know. And so you're going to share your opinion with anybody who will listen or not, right? Um, Those of us who love politics, we may not have all the facts, but we have all the answers, don't we? (laughs) We do. We're, we're, We're confident in that. Now, how many of you would say that you're on the other spectrum on the other end of that continuum. And you'd say, you know what? I'm just not all that excited about politics. Okay. About mm, a little bit more in that crowd. So that crowd kind of tends to lean towards the, you know, I'm not really into that. If, if I could unsubscribe to all the, you know, political mailers that are coming from any party, it would be fantastic, wouldn't it? Or if um, you hear in your office a conversation starting up around the coffee pot, you might just take your coffee and slip out the door and go find another quiet place to be because there's a number of us that just aren't that excited when the political season comes around. Now, I find myself balancing back and forth between those two positions, either loving politics or hating politics. I, like a number of us, understand that politics are necessary, that it takes good politicians and good politics to run our nation all the way down to our cities. It's, it's critically important for us to have good politicians and good politics. They're just, a, you know, like we always kind of say, necessary evil, but they are necessary. If we didn't have good politicians, we didn't have good politics, our world would be very different. I think something we take for granted here in the United States. If you go live somewhere else around the world, someplace that doesn't have the privilege that we have, we might change our perspective of politics in the United States. But here's what happens to me. After watching a few thousand political advertisements, I think, can't we just write Jesus on the ballot? You know, like all agree. Okay, we're all going to write Jesus on the ballot and then that'll convince him, okay, it's time. I'm coming back and I'm going to set up my rule and reign on earth because the reality is no politician has our answers. No politician has the answers that we need as a people. Only Jesus has that. Only Jesus can solve the problems that we face in our world. But until he comes back, 
until he actually comes back to rule and reign, I think that we should vote. I think we should vote. And I'm pretty passionate about that. If you look in the book of Hesitations in the Bible, chapter 4, verse 12, it says, Thou shalt vote every four years in the presidential election. <laughs> now, if you're new to us, you know that most of my jokes aren't funny. If you're new to the Bible, there is no book of hesitations. It's just an example of the bad jokes that I tell. So the Bible doesn't say that, but it does say that we should pray for our leaders, and it says that we should obey the laws of the land. We should obey the laws that are out there, unless those laws are in contradiction to what God says in the Bible. Now, in several places in the Bible, God instructs his followers to choose for themselves people to lead them, whether king, elder, or deacon. Elder and deacon are offices, leadership offices within the church context. And God even gives in the Bible qualities and characteristics to look for in leaders. And God says, here's the guidelines, here are the qualities and the characteristics, I can get that word out, that I want you to choose. And then once you select a leader, I want you to follow that leader. I want you to obey them as long as they are following what I say in scripture. So I think we can make a pretty strong biblical case that God wants us here in America to vote. I think God wants us to speak into what's happening in our nation and ultimately what will happen in our world. So if you like didn't have it on your calendar for Tuesday, I think you should vote. I think you should carve some time out of your day on Tuesday. If you hadn't already, I think you should go down and you should vote. And now I think when we vote, we should make an informed decision. I don't think it's a great idea to show up on election day, get your ballot and Christmas tree it like we, some of us did in school, right? You know, pick a name that, oh, that's a cool name. I'm going to go for that guy. Or, or that lady's got a really cool last name. When we cast a vote, we need to be informed voters. We need to know who we're voting for. We need to know why we're voting for them. And that can be a challenge because uh, often here's what happens to me. When election comes up, I'm thinking, oh, no, huh? what, what, what do I do? Who do I vote for? Uh, and I start doing a little bit of research and I'm looking, what, what are their stances on these things? And how do they stand on these issues? And where are they at over here? And it's tough. Even with some of the information that's out there, it is tough to know who to vote for. But I think we have a responsibility, especially as Christ followers, we have a responsibility to elect someone who most aligns themselves with God's word. We have a responsibility as Christ followers, I believe, to do that. Now, in order to help us become more informed as voters, we've put some voting resources on our website. So you can go to our website at theepicchurch.com. And you can download our voters' guides, and it'll just give you some information that you can check out. I encourage you to do so by Tuesday before you go out and vote. Also, in that same section uh, on our website, you can find our spiritual growth challenge for today. And that challenge will take you a little bit deeper in what we're studying in Scripture. It'll ask you some questions that you can ponder yourself as you dig a little deeper in this. You can talk with a small group of people about that as well. There's more Bible verses to look at. Again, I encourage you to check that out later today. Now, if you would, grab a Bible 
and turn over to Daniel chapter 4. Daniel chapter 4 in a Bible. And if you need a Bible, we've got Bibles at the back of each seating section. So now would be a perfect time. If you want to grab one, go ahead and get up and go grab a Bible. And as we say always, these Bibles are our free gift to you. So if you need a Bible, take one. If you want to give one to a friend, you can do that. And let me just give you permission. If you have a Bible app on your phone, you can use it, okay? Um, all I ask is that in between games of Tetris, you check in with us, okay? And like when you're looking on Facebook to see what everybody else is doing out there, just you know, check back in with us every once in a while. All right, Daniel chapter four, found on page 670 in our paperback Bibles. Now, this story that we're gonna read took place about 600 years before Jesus came to planet Earth. And prior to that time frame, God had a special relationship, a special agreement with a group of people that were known as the Israelites. They were God's specially chosen people. And this is the agreement that God had with that group of people. He said, if you will obey me, I will always bless you and I will always protect you from your enemies. It's a major statement in that world. There were a lot of enemies out there that would love to come and destroy this group of people. And God said, if you'll obey me, we'll always be in a strong relationship and I will bless you and I will protect you. Well, the Israelites chose not to obey God. So God allowed a king by the name of Nebuchadnezzar. Now, if you're looking for a baby name that no one else is going to pick, there's one. So God allowed King Nebuchadnezzar and a group called the Babylonians, that was his kingdom, to come and take the Israelites captive. And all this took place in ancient Babylon, which is now the country we know as Iraq. Now, King Nebuchadnezzar, he was a brilliant king. Whenever he would conquer a new nation, he would take the brightest young leaders from that nation and he would train them as Babylonians. They would go through three years of indoctrination in the Babylonian culture and customs. And then after that three years of training, the best of the best would be given positions, wealth, and honor within the Babylonian culture. Some of those people would even become his closest advisors. Now, the brilliance of that for King Nebuchadnezzar was that this would do several things. It would ensure their allegiance to him. So it would buy, he would buy their allegiance. And also, it would surround him with the brightest leaders to help him rule the nations that he controlled. So it was a brilliant strategy by King Nebuchadnezzar. Now, when he conquered the Israelites, he brought into his royal service young Jewish leaders like Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, names you might be familiar with or maybe not. The king was so impressed with these young Jewish leaders that he put them in high positions of authority within his kingdom. He even changed their names to Belteshazzar, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in honor of the gods that he served in Babylon. So in those ancient days, all was going well for King Nebuchadnezzar and the Babylonians. 
He's the most powerful leader in the world. I mean, he has his pick of any nation that he wants. So he looks at a nation and says, send somebody out and says, hey, bow to me or I'm going to come destroy you. If they don't, he comes and destroys them. If they bow, then he, he brings them under his control and they start paying a whole lot of taxes to him. So he's got like all that you could ever want. He's in a great position. But in Daniel chapter four, the most powerful leader in the world had a dream and that dream disturbed him greatly. We're gonna start in verse four, Daniel chapter four, verse four. It says, I, Nebuchadnezzar, was living in my palace in comfort and prosperity. But one night I had a dream that frightened me. I saw visions that terrified me as I lay in my bed. So the king did what any king would do in a moment like that. He would call to his advisors, his astrologers, his magicians, his fortune tellers. He would call all of them together and say, here's the dream. Tell me what it means. And he did that. And no one could tell him what the dream meant. Then King Nebuchadnezzar summoned Daniel, his advisor from the nation of Israel. And he told him his dream. You can actually read about that between verses 9 and verse 18. But in verse 19, it tells us that upon hearing the dream, Daniel was frightened by the meaning of the dream. And we're not exactly sure why Daniel was frightened. Could have been he was frightened with the reality of what was going to happen to him when he told King Nebuchadnezzar the meaning of the dream. Here's what would happen to any advisor who predicted something bad would happen to the king or his kingdom. They would be killed instantly. So I think possibly that could have been something for Daniel as he's realizing, you know, the king's not going to like what I have to say. He might have me killed immediately. He might have been afraid of what would happen to the Israelites who were in captivity. What would happen to them next if this dream really does come true. We're not exactly sure why he was afraid, but imagine being in Daniel's position. Imagine just for a moment, what would you say to the most powerful leader in the world if you knew that that leader was not going to like what you had to say? On verse 24, Daniel says this, this is what the dream means, your majesty, and what the most high has declared will happen to my Lord, the King. You'll be driven from human society. You will live in the fields with the wild animals. You'll eat grass like a cow, and you'll be drenched with the dew of heaven. Seven periods of time will pass until you, while you live this way until you learn that the Most High rules over the kingdoms of the world and gives them to anyone he chooses. Now get what Daniel is saying to the most powerful leader in the world. He's saying, my God is more powerful than your God. I know you think that your God allowed you to conquer all the nations around you, including Israel, but that's simply not true. My God allowed you to conquer all those nations, even the nation of Israel. And to demonstrate his power, my God, the most high God, is about to remove you from your throne and make you eat grass like a cow. Can you imagine what the king might have thought in that moment as he heard that? What are you talking about? Eat grass like a cow. That's ridiculous. 
And who is your God anyway, Daniel? King Nebuchadnezzar must have thought. For him, all he knew about Daniel's God was that either he was too weak to protect his people, he was too busy doing something else, or he didn't care at all about what happened to those people. So King Nebuchadnezzar, he's not the least bit afraid of Daniel's God. He's not the least bit afraid of this God known as the Most High. Now, Daniel could have stopped there. He could have just said, here's the interpretation and left it at that. But Daniel didn't. He took it a step further. In verse 27, he said, King Nebuchadnezzar, please accept my advice. Stop sinning and do what is right. Break from your wicked past and be merciful to the poor. Perhaps then you will continue to prosper. Those are some brave words for a guy who had already kind of put himself out there. Some brave words for a guy who was standing before a king who would not listen to him, who was not going to listen to what he had to say. The Bible says a year later, the king was proudly admiring the great city of Babylon. And in verse 30, the king said this, look at this great city. By my own mighty power, I have built this beautiful city as my royal residence to display my majestic splendor. Real proud moment for him. He's going, the world should look at me. Look at what I have done. And then within an hour, Daniel's prediction came true. The king was driven from his kingdom and he began to eat grass like a cow. Verse 33 tells us that he lived this way until his hair was as long as eagle's feathers and nails were like bird's claws. Most Bible scholars believe that was a period of seven years. So for seven years, the most powerful leader in the world literally lived like an animal, a wild animal. Imagine what the Babylonians would have thought about Daniel and his God. Who is this God that can do stuff like this? Who is this God who can take the most powerful leader in the world and make him go eat grass like a cow? Now, after seven years, verse 34 tells us, King Nebuchadnezzar looked up to heaven and his sanity returned. The king said, my sanity returned and I praised and worshiped the most high and honored the one who lives forever. Now get what King Nebuchadnezzar is saying here. Get what's happened, where he's come from. He's, he's not worshiped the most high in his life. And get what he's saying about the most high. His rule is everlasting and his kingdom is eternal. All the people of the earth are nothing including the Babylonians, nothing compared to him. He does as he pleases among the angels of heaven and among the people of the earth. No one can stop him or say to him, what do you mean by doing these things? There's a whole lot packed into what King Nebuchadnezzar said there. So we've got this king who didn't love God, didn't worship him, didn't follow him in any way, acknowledging that God is the ruler over everything. So in those moments that you think that person you know is never gonna change, I hope you'll remember verses like this. I hope you'll remember passages like this. There's always hope for someone to change. 
And in moments where we're tempted to trust or mistrust in our political process, I hope that we'll remember that the Most High God rules over the kingdoms of this world, and he appoints who he wants to rule over them. So this next Tuesday, we Americans will go out and cast our votes, and then God will appoint who he wants to rule over our nation. Might be the candidate that you vote for. It may not be the candidate you vote for. But either way, it's God and God alone who rules over the kingdoms of this world. It's him and him alone who chooses who he wants to rule over us. So will you trust God with whatever happens in the election on Tuesday? Will you trust God? Is your faith in him or is your faith in your candidate who you think would run our nation the best? Now let's turn a corner slightly and I want you to pretend with me that you are going to be in a situation just like Daniel was, in a position where he was called by the most powerful leader in the world and asked some advice. So put yourself in that spot and just you know, pretend, I know it's a stretch, but pretend that our next president is going to call you on Wednesday. And our president's going to say, hey, I hear you got some smarts. I'd like to ask your advice. Give me some advice on how to rule this great nation. What would you say? I'm sure we got a lot of you know, things to offer, especially as it affects us. But what would God want you to say to the most powerful leader in the world? I'd want our next president to know the truth that we've studied this morning. So here's something I, I think I'd want to say to him. Dear Mr. President, congratulations on being elected president of the United States of America, a great nation. Mr. President, you weren't elected because of your campaign speeches. You weren't elected because of your TV ads that made you look better than the other guy. You weren't elected because of your political strategies or ability to debate. You may have been elected by a majority of the American people, but you were appointed to that position by the Most High God and you are accountable to him. He and he alone rules over the kingdoms of this world and gives them to anyone he chooses. One day, you will have a direct conversation with the God of the universe about how you led this nation. So my advice is that you acknowledge the God who's entrusted you with this great privilege and great responsibility. Lead this nation under God's authority. Allow God to guide you every day and in every way, and don't be worried about the people who will bash you for doing that. Make it your purpose to please God and God alone, and he will take care of everything else. Our prayers are with you as you take on this incredibly important task. That's what I would want to share with our president if I had the opportunity to do so. Now, let's hold on to that thought for a moment, and we're going to look at this subject from a slightly different perspective. We've had the president kind of on the hot seat a little bit here, but now it's our turn. You have been placed by God 
in your school, in your neighborhood, at your job, in your county, your church, wherever. You've been placed there by God. And one day you're going to have a conversation with him, a direct conversation. You and God are going to sit down and talk about how you led in those areas that were entrusted to you. And it'd be the same for me. Are you leading well in high school? Are you leading others towards Christ while in college? Are you leading well in your neighborhood or at work or at school or in your church? Are you leading well in those areas? Are you waiting around for our government to come and solve our problems? Or are you active in being a solution to some of the problems that we face? Are you in your life acknowledging the most high God? So not only does the most high rule over the kingdoms of this world, but he rules over your school. He rules over your neighborhood. He rules over your job. He rules over this church, our county, our state, our nation. He rules over all of that. And just like our president should turn to God and acknowledge him and his plans for ruling, we should do the same in our lives. We should ask God every day to help us make a significant contribution in what's going on around us, to make a significant contribution into the lives of people that he's entrusted us with, the people that we work with, that we live next to, that we shop around, the people in this county. We have a responsibility to point them towards the most high God and remind them that he rules over everything. We should be the change that we want to see in our world. Now, as we close today, do you believe to the core of your being that the most high God rules over the kingdoms of this world, that rules over your life, rules over every nation, and it is he who appoints those he wants to rule? Let's pray together. God, I thank you for the amazing country that you have allowed us to live in. I thank you that we have an opportunity to vote for our next president, a privilege that many people around the world don't have. I thank you for the freedoms that we enjoy, for the men and women who have died to ensure we have those freedoms. I pray that we will take advantage of every opportunity that we have to speak into what happens in our nation. I pray for our next president, whoever that will be. I pray that he will wake up every day understanding that you gave him the opportunity to lead this nation. I pray that he will acknowledge you and your plans for our lives, our nation, and our world. God, this next Tuesday... Some of us are going to be very happy with who was elected, and some of us are going to be very disappointed. May we always remember that it's you who rules over the kingdoms of this world, and you appoint anyone you want to rule. May we always trust in you and your plan, regardless of what happens around us, good or bad. And God, may we always acknowledge that you have placed us in our schools our homes, our jobs, our relationships, to influence others for you. May we lead well 
in those areas of life. In Jesus' name, amen. Good morning. I think I found some comfort this morning. I've been a little anxious about the election, but knowing that while I vote, God's sovereign over everything um, kind of brought some comfort to me. And more than that, that he's so sovereign that he placed each of us in our community, in our country, in our world to make the difference that, that we can make. Well, good morning. My name is Carla, and I'm here to tell you a few things that are going on at Epic. Um, you, if you've been here the last few weeks, you know that we have the Epic Giving Tree right around the corner. It's, you know, Halloween is over, Thanksgiving's in a few weeks. It really is time to start thinking about Christmas for those of you who thought, hmm, I could put it off for a few more weeks. Nope, 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 sorry. We've got to start thinking about it. Um, Epic likes to help those in our community, and one way that we do that through the Epic Giving Tree is um, to provide for members of our community, our church, who are in need of food or Christmas gifts. So, in a couple weeks, you will see a little Christmas tree in the connect by the Connection Center, and um, at that time, you can pick a little tag, and it'll have a need on it, and you can pick that tag, take it home, um, get that item, and bring it back. Um, but right now, what we need you to do is to go on epicchurch.com and give us a referral, someone either at um, Epic or maybe in our community in Palm Coast, someone that you know personally who may be in need. Um, and you can refer them, and um, hopefully we can help them out this Christmas season. Um, so as I said, go to epicchurch.com, click on the Involved tab. You can find more information as well as fill out the form for the referral. One way that we talk about giving every week um, here is just giving of our time, talent, and resources. So if you're a Christ follower, God asks us to give a small portion of what he so richly blessed us with. He asks for that little small portion back. So um, you can do so today. Um, there are um, giving boxes behind each seating section, or you can go online at theepicchurch.com. And if you're visiting with us, if this is your first Sunday or maybe you've been checking us out for a couple weeks, will you stop by the Connection Center? We would love to say hi and give you some more information about us and uh, get to know your name. Uh, one new announcement we have that I just learned this morning, so hopefully I get this right. Lifeline, has, uh, Lifeline Ministries um, has a golf tournament this Saturday, and you can sign up um, on Tuesday. You know, after you go vote, you can sign up um, and, and participate in that. There's more information. Um, you can find a link to the Lifeline from our website um, and get more information then. Next week, we have a new series. We're launching a new series called Counterfeit Gods. So come back, check that out. Um, it will be uh, just a really cool series to, to find out more about um, our relationship with God. I want to thank you for being here, and um, don't forget to vote. Have a great Sunday.